Hello and welcome to Is This Anime? I'm your anime expert, Jack Metcalf. And I'm the guy who knows nothing about anime, Malcolm McLeod. And joining us today is my cousin, Alex. Hey guys, I'm an upcoming artist out of Vancouver. I'm Alex89. Just like making music, doing my thing. Add me on all platforms. Add me on Instagram. Yeah. And Alex, what is your anime experience? I'm, I would say I'm like... I'm, like, seasoned. I wouldn't say I'm, like, super into anime, but, like, I've watched pretty much... I'm, like, on Dragon Ball Super. I haven't watched Naruto Shippuden because I think it's overrated and the OG Naruto's better. Um, One Piece is awesome. Bleach is awesome. But it's good that you mentioned those shows because those are all classic Shonen Jump anime slash manga, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, Shonen Jump is so OG. Like, if you didn't grow up either watching or reading shonen jump you're you're out of the loop and that's me that's me i gotta be honest even i even even i bought like even i bought like a shonen jump manga like book out of like a like safeway or like any grocery store you can buy them like i think they're still i'm subscribed to the shonen jump app and it's you know three bucks a month for unlimited manga it's a very good deal um but this movie we're talking about is an OG Shonen Jump series. Um, or it's a movie, but it came from a series, you know what I mean. And that is Fist of the North Star. Alex, uh, I'll ask you, because I already know the answer for Malcolm. <laughs> Alex, did you know anything about Fist of the North Star going in? I didn't, I didn't have any experience. I didn't know the plot. I didn't know what was going on. It was, it was super, super weird and interesting. And also just like, there's been, like a whole bunch of lore that I want to learn about, but also just like... I don't know if I can handle it, you know? <laughs> Let's. Uh, so I've got the history segment. We haven't done a history segment in a while, so this is us uh, getting old school. Let's talk about it. So Fist of the North Star was created by Tetsuo Hara. As a teenager, he was a big fan of Bruce Lee and Japanese action star Yusaka Matsuda. He would even draw a manga of their fights from his memories of watching their movies. And he came up with the idea for Fist of the North Star when his manga editor suggested that he should write a manga about a martial artist who defeats his opponents by striking their acupressure points. So, so yeah, yeah, is that a, I, pre- yeah I got that. I, mean, I got that. I mean, it's pretty obvious, but it is one of those things where it's like, okay, so this was some, someone else's idea was like, what if you did this? And then yeah, it's like being a martial artist chiropractor. Yeah. So, yeah. um, so Hara, his his previous series um, was like a motocross manga, and it only ran for ten weeks. Um, and previously, he had won some manga first prize at some competition for like junior manga artists. So yeah, his editor was like clearly like, I know you got talent. Uh, I know you're into Chinese martial arts, and he even said you should write a Chinese martial arts manga. So That's you know, awesome. yeah, it was so credit to his editor. Uh, where sometimes editors can be creatively stifling, but in this case, obviously Hara has a lot to, to credit his editor for, for giving him an idea that would end up making him a, a pretty wealthy man. Um, so Hara, he combined the appearances of Bruce Lee and Matsuda to come up with the design for the protagonist, Ken. Uh, there were two one-shots of the Fist of the North Star manga that were published in 1983 in Fresh Jump magazine, uh, which kind of Fresh Jump was kind of like a, a way for, for Shonen Jump to kind of test the waters with series. Um, but an interesting difference is in these in these two one shots, Ken is not an adult man. He's instead a teenager, and he's fighting against other uh, martial artists in like a rival martial arts school. Yeah, sounds sounds very Dragon Ball Z. Very Dragon Ball Z, but this is pre Dragon Ball. That's the amazing thing. I know. Like when I when I was watching it, <laughs> and 
like I can't go into detail because we're this early in the show, but like there's a lot of Dragon Ball elements. <laughs> there are, uh, uh, yeah, and even Malcolm will get to that part. Um, so, anyways, these two one shots they were a big enough success in reader surveys to result in the series being picked up in Shonen Jump magazine, with the first chapter debuting on September 13th, 1983. And Fist of the North Star was a hit to say the least. It ran for 245 chapters, ending in 1988. The manga has sold over 100 million volumes, making it one of the best-selling manga of all time. You know, we all know Dragon Ball Z, we all know Naruto, um, some some of the other shows. But again, this is the show, this is the the manga series that was big before Dragon Ball. Uh, Fist of the North Star, it was a hit to say the least. Oh wait, I'm repeating myself. Sasha, edit that out. Two anime adaptations ran from 1984 to 1988 with 152 episodes total. The movie we're discussing was released in 1986. Five additional anime films were released between 2005 and 2008. There is also a low-budget live-action film that was released in 1995, co-starring Chris Penn as Jaggy. What? Chris Penn? <laughs> Chris Penn played Jaggy. Uh, I, don't, I didn't watch the movie, so I don't know if he was wearing um, Jaggy's iconic outfit, but Chris Penn as... I just hope, like, when the credits were there, when, the, when they're playing the movie credits... It, Chris Penn got an and. It was and Chris Penn as Jaggy, like like they do with Sam Jackson as Nick Fury in Marvel. <laughs> That's just I mean, how that I would be. Uh, that would make the most sense. I mean, what? When was this movie released? Nineteen ninety-five. It, it is a white. He, he was just coming off Reservoir Dogs, and then he's like, "Yeah, I guess I will be." Pay- yeah, I'm playing My Jaggy. God. I'm playing Jaggy. I'm playing um, Jaggy. Just That's such a weird role, too. And Malcolm McDowell, because, uh, you know, that guy always takes a paycheck. <laughs> yeah, no, you look at the, yeah, Malcolm McDowell's there. Um, someone named, I'm just looking up the cast list. Uh, downtown Julie Brown is Charlotte. I don't know who that is, but the fact that they're, I think uh, they're like a, a DJ. Oh, <laughs> Clint Howard's in the movie as well. And a guy named Big Van Vader. Clint Howard could have played Jaggy. I think Clint Howard has the patheticness of Jaggy, and it, you know. Yeah, but they um, were like, "We got to get a real star." Look at Chris Penn. Chris Penn as Jaggy, uh, and then yeah, some white British guy who, at least on the poster, it looks like they just like tanned him up so he could play Ken. But anyways, we're talking about the 1986 Fist of the North Star movie, and um, let's just get this out of the way. The pacing of this movie is lightning fast. Would you not say? It's pretty fast, but also just like for someone who hasn't watched it, I thought it was pretty slow actually. Like, oh really? Because I was, I was. Oh dude, I have so many I, notes. I'm gonna, <laughs> yeah. I will say I totally disagree with you on that. The fact that you were like it's lightning fast. This movie is like two hours long. It's not like and- the Broly movie that it's like super like everything happens at once. I felt it was fast in the sense that they just keep introducing things. I was yeah, like. Okay. like but when you keep introducing things to a movie, like you get like sidetracked and you get confused. Like I got confused halfway through and I was like, wait, who are they bringing in this character and how far away? How Like the time relevance from when Ken died compared to like when they brought him back into the into the movie was so. Uh... Well, that's it. Exactly. I was like watching it. I was like, oh, I guess Julia's just been dropped from this entire movie. And then it'll be like 30 minutes later. And there you're like, you finally see like julia again and you're like oh okay so she is here and then like those are those two kids who just like disappear for about 40 minutes and then they like bring them back 
Like, yeah, the like the little girl who like holds the flower the whole time. Like, like I get it. I get it. Would you guys believe? And this, I, I, I'm not sure if you'll believe me. Would you believe that they condensed 72 manga chapters into two hours for this movie? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, um, like this, yeah, that's what it feels like. It just feels like we're like, get, let's get the greatest hits. Like they're just like just throwing down ones just to be like, all right, the audience want they see this and they don't see that, and we're gonna have this character show up, and you're just like, what that's why happening? they never. That's why they never added the Pokemon movie into the Pokemon series because it's irrelevant to how it turned out. You know, other series like Naruto and Dragon Ball have done non-canon movies that are just fan service exactly. and stuff like that. One, we've covered a non-canon One Piece movie. But this one, the Greatest Hits is a good way of putting it. This is a movie for people who have watched the first 50 episodes of the anime and just want to see a bigger budget version of that. And in that regard, it succeeds because I actually did watch um, an episode. I watched the episode featuring the climax uh, the big final fight, and my god, it was very different in the the anime adaptation compared to uh, the movie. Um, it was a lot more grounded. It was not Dragon Ball Z. The characters lighting themselves up with you know blue and red lights. Uh, there was no music video fight scene. That was uh, so funny, by the way. That was my oh. favorite part of the fucking movie. <laughs> that was very funny. Um, they also, of course. You know, not a huge shock. Many characters from these storylines were cut, including characters that are present during the... the I think you could make an argument. They should have cut more. (laughs) Like, they really should have cut more. They're like, they didn't do a a good enough job chopping down to, like, what is this story? (laughs) Like, they're just like... It went from 72 chapters to, like, 50. Yeah. Not even that. So... So here's the thing. I have played, I've read a decent chunk. I forget how many chapters. It's been a couple of years, but I read like the first major arc of Fist of the North Star. I've also played uh, the most recent video game, Fist of the North Star Lost Paradise, which is a PS4 game, which is pretty fun. That is also a mishmash of various storylines that they were just like, let's fit this into a video game, but also the confines of the fact that this video game it takes place only in one major location. So they have to justify all these characters going to this one city. Um, but as someone who had not was not super familiar with the manga, I thought the video game, I understood it at least. <laughs> and it was, you know, a video game. So, you know, you punch people and cool things happen. So, yeah. Um, but no, this one, the pace, I mean, I, I say the pacing's wild in the sense that I was just confused. But um, like you said, there, the, the sense of time uh, was very unclear uh let's just talk about the prologue um i've got the script so i'm just gonna read it the heavens are polarized into two sides that is hokuto and nanto these poles are the cosmic forces of man and woman yin and yang hokuto shinken and nanto seiken these two groups are not allowed to fight each other if they do this world will be destroyed when the north and south become one a savior will manifest itself in the year 1999X, the Earth was consumed in a fiery holocaust. Oh, that part was fun because you... Oh, wait. Not even that. So there's the whole credit. We get, the, we get the narration. That's all cosmic bullshit. And then the credits are like, you know, night. Or the like credits night. is like super nice, like very vibrant <laughs> scenes. And then like yeah. it cuts to the world being blown up by nuclear shit. And it's and literally see, like... And you see people literally disintegrating. And it's like... You see a dude melt, and I was like, yeah, oh, literally melting. I was shocked by that. I was like, because like already right off the top, like just like that opening monologue, you're just like, what? 
what are we doing? Like, it's like, it's just like the, it's shift after shift of just like crazy monologue with like, you know, space imagery. And then you get like tranquil mountainsides. And then, yeah, just, there's people just being like burned alive in like, uh, yeah, like this nuclear, like, yeah, Holocaust. We've said Holocaust oh, too many times already. Well, it's, part, it's, a part of the, it's a part of the story. It's a part of the story. And, you know, th- this series, of course, is riffing on Mad Max incredibly heavily. It's Mad Max with Bruce Lee as the protagonist, basically. That's kind of, that is how I was wondering about that while I was watching it. Was Did Mad Max come first or did uh, this movie come first? But then I was like, I think Mad Max is like late 70s, if I'm not mistaken. Mad Max is late 70s. I'm going to look up Mad Max. Yeah, Mad Max 2 came out in 1981. So, yeah, he definitely was familiar. There was enough time for that movie to come out in Japan. I don't have the Japan date of Mad Max 2, but um, I'm sure. I think between Christopher Nolan and Darren Aronofsky, you can never trust uh, a filmmaker anymore (laughs) with how they come up with their ideas. I don't think George Miller is familiar with um, Fist of the North Star. Maybe he is. He should do that when he's done with his next Mad Max movie. George Miller is um, the North Star. I would watch that. <laughs> I would gladly uh, watch that. But yeah, we, we have And then have bits. Sean Penn play Jackal. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing. Again, I've, I've read the manga uh, a bit. This movie, our introduction to Ken, is not a good one at all because we don't know who he is. He's with a useless girl who in the subtitles is Yuria. Uh, and then he's immediately... That's not a useless girl. That's the love of his life. And uh, and someone who turns out to be way more important than, than I realized in that those first few minutes. Wasn't it an arranged marriage? I learned that later. It was an arranged marriage. Ah, uh, no. Um, was that an arranged marriage? Because like, I know like the other guy... Um, what's his name again? Uh, Lin? The, Shin. Shin. Who's there's a Lynn in here? Lynn's right? the little girl. Yeah, Lynn's the girl. Yeah. Okay. Shin. Okay. So Shin, the one he fights, and then she like Julia gets kidnapped, like because she's like clear. She's in you know in love with Ken, uh, and then he's like, oh, I'll fight you. We'll fight you for this for her love. And then I do like that they like he, like Ken loses, and then even she's just like I'm this I'm not gonna love you just because you won like you can't fight for this like this isn't a prize. Um, that was kind of nice to see in a movie from '84. Yes, yeah, Yas Queen, Yas Queen for Yuria. Um, does, does, <laughs> does, does, <laughs> queen that was said with so little enthusiasm that like just, <laughs> you're just like. Uh, Yas Queen for uh, Julia. All right, let's move on. <laughs> does Shin remind you of Dio? I feel like Dio is definitely yeah, borrowing from, from Shin because Shin is a fucking asshole. Oh, Immediately yeah. remind me of Dio. Yeah, they're both blonde-haired assholes. They beat up the protagonist and they take their girls from them. Yeah, at least Dio has some fucking charisma. <laughs> Sometimes Shin, you're just like, he's a whiny little bitch. Yeah, he is a- <laughs> Yeah, Shin is a whiny little bitch. And, and he gets proven to be one later on, which I was kind of impressed by. I was impressed by one of those twists. Um, there's also these two brothers, but they're not blood brothers. I was very confused by that. Um, they're brothers in the sense that they go to the same martial arts school. That's what I figured out. That's a bond that can never... That's a, that's a bond stronger than blood. My sparring partner. Well, My... it's, a, it's a nuclear holocaust, to be fair. You know, your your blood relatives probably are dead, so, you know... Yeah, this is- thing i was so confused by so did these people survive 
this nuclear holocaust and that's there has why it been like years or was and this years like later yeah years and years later where they're like oh you know like they've there's people have had kids and they've had you know kids and they're like a generation you know descendants of the survivors because that could not have been less clear because I was like, all right, because like a nuclear holocaust, it kind of explains why some people are like normal sized and then other people are like eight to nine feet tall. Yeah, literally, like the the size difference on a uh, King Kaiba, whatever his name was, yeah, was completely drastically different from the whole army that what's his name brought. As as someone who watches One Piece, where there's also characters who are giants, I just accept it. In in my mind, it's their giants due to their relative strength, but not because of their size. That's how I, uh, that's my headcanon. You can you can get away with it that way for One Piece, because I'm just like, yeah, I mean, the lead of One Piece is a fucking boy who is rubber. Like, he's a rubber boy who can't swim, which is so stupid, because there's rubber duckies and rubber clearly floats. <laughs> well, it's like, a gum gum fruit, though. It's a gum gum fruit. And any, any depth, we're not talking about One Piece. We're not uh, talking but, about I, but I was going to say, I was just like... <laughs> I, I just I feel like you can make the argument in this movie or this series or you know in this world, God, um, that you know that yeah giants were descended from people who were really exposed but survived <laughs> this nuclear holocaust. That's the thing. First of all, the time frame in this movie was not very clear because there is a time skip afterwards, and also. Those two brothers, uh, their identities kind of change when we next see them, and I was very confused by that for half of the movie because I thought we, I thought we were at one point being introduced to new characters until I picked up that these were actually the same characters we meet earlier. Either way, they are two martial arts bros from the same uh, martial arts school. They're observing Ken get his ass kicked, um, and they're mad at Ken because Ken has the power of Hokotu Shinken. Although Ken doesn't appear to be strong, because our first instant is seeing him get his ass kicked pretty handily. You got murked, bro. You, you got, got, you got yeah. fingers stuck in him, and then they got pulled out, and then he just like dropped. Yeah, he dropped. He didn't put up much of a fight against Shin, so I'm, I'm pretty. Yeah, at this they're point, like, I hope you don't believe in this guy because he's gonna get his ass kicked. At this point, I'm not so sure I believe in the power of Hokotu Shinken. I'm like, I don't know, guys. This power doesn't seem like something you want because this guy fucking sucks. I mean, What's that would name? have been a, a better movie. It's just like whoever, like whatever, some like you know monk or something going about and like we have to pass this power on, and it's just like the worst person, and all he does is get his ass kicked for the whole. Honestly, like, Ray's uh, power was way too overpowered. Like his him using his nails to like slice people in half and shit. That was dope. Ray, Ray's cool. Ray's cool. So Ken, he gets thrown off by uh, the brother known as Jaggy, although Jaggy's appearance later changes. Um, he's just wearing bandages at this point, and then he gets a cool mask later on. Um, Jaggy's the sadistic brother. There's Jaggy, and then there's Rao. So he gets thrown off a cliff by Jaggy, and then Jaggy also just cracks the cliff just for fun, because Jaggy's Jaggy's just into that shit. And then meanwhile, this guy Rao, he's the more stoic one. He returns to his, uh, to his dojo master to whine about not getting picked. And then he destroys these two massive statues in the dojo, and he makes, like, a hole in the roof just by pointing. I thought that was, Rao, why do you want this power so much? Why are you so pissed off? Just start your own fucking martial arts. You're clearly strong enough. And he declares, after he kills his master, he declares that he will be the end-of-century conqueror. That's a, that's a title. Yeah, that's that, again, that's one of those things that only someone who could, like, 
who's like, I'm making up my own title. <laughs> They'll give themselves. And do we even know if it's going to be the end of century? It could be for all we know, 2001, the century might not end for another 99 years. I mean, they say at the beginning, right? Like nine, 1990X or whatever. Uh, so, okay. So, uh, so, I mean, he'll be the, so you're talking uh, maybe a couple of months, maybe like, like. So it's like. Six it's months. Like, it's like June and he's like, okay, all right. I'll be the end of century Congress in six months. Yeah. I'll, I'll take this title for six months only. I'm, yeah. I'm sure like, like no one wanted to. And just like have a little farm and chill. Um, oh, my little rock. So, exactly. So an unambiguous amount of time has passed, although I looked up on Wikipedia, because, again, this is adapted from a manga, so there's, there's ways to... If you read the manga or watched the show, you would kind of know better, um, which is it's been a year. So a year passes. Um, the world is still a hellhole. I like the mole people. Um, uh, like, what is it? Bandits? Like, they come out of the ground to murder travelers. I thought those Oh, yeah, that was cool. Again, you can tell that that was probably like a whole arc in the like probably in this manga, and they were just like, "We all, we can't do this because we're doing a movie." And but yeah. they wanted them; it's still there because they don't really play that big of a role in anything. It's just like, "Oh, here's a cool thing in the world." It's just violence, but I thought it was some well done violence. That's the other thing about this movie. It, you know, Malcolm, you and I have seen Akira that came out in like '88. And this wasn't like an original film. It was, you know, a, an adaptation of a TV show. So I wasn't expecting a ton for the animation. But I mean, actually, yeah. I mean, this I is was... the 80s, right? Where like, you know, people complain about violent movies nowadays. But like, it's our shit's so tame compared to what was going on in the 80s. Like, you look at like, I don't know if you, either of you have seen like the original RoboCop. My God, that movie is like, you know, super violent. You obviously had all like the classic like 80 slasher movies were coming out here. You know, like, you know, just the height of Friday the 13th and, you know, Sleepaway Camp and, uh, you know, Slumber Party Massacre uh, with the Driller Killer, uh, underrated slasher killer. But, but yeah, so I'm not surprised by this violence. Like this was like, I don't know, you, this is like what I feel like. Cause like I've talked to people who are like, get nostalgic for gi joe but i've never i don't know about youtube but i've never like had any like interaction with that franchise like growing up it was just like never on my radar like i feel like it was definitely like 80s kids really loved it and then it just like never translated i know there's those movies a couple years ago but it was just like for whatever reason i feel like People who love G.I. Joe love this movie. I don't know. I think people who like Mad Max and like anime would like this. I would, first of all, um, anyone watching this movie, I would say if you enjoy this movie, if you enjoyed it in the sense that you had fun, obviously read the manga or watch the anime. Um, this is not the optimal way to uh, consume the story of Fist of the North Star at all. This, this is like a demo tape or is like a demo disc or some shit sequel here because like i know i'm jumping to the end but the ending is very like oh like it just like very ambiguous well again like this is this is the first fifth this adapts basically the first 50 episodes of an anime that ran for 152 um that or the first 72 chapters of the manga so you know there were 245 chapters total so yeah this is yeah that's what i would say uh this, and that's why I picked this movie. <laughs> I picked this movie even though I had not watched it before. I was just like, we need to cover Fist of the North Star because it is iconic. It is a foundational anime. It's pre-Dragon Ball. It's highly influential. And yeah, like this, I was not going to pick five episodes of a, of a 
80s anime, especially one that's as glacial, you know, those those shows are glacially paced from that era. You know what I mean? Uh, five episodes would not be enough to, to cover that. So I don't know. I'm over explaining myself. Sasha, you can cut whatever you feel like. But yeah, this, this is a, this is like a demo. You know, if you, en- if you enjoy the vibe of this, you should read the manga, play the video game, um, watch the anime. This is not, I would not call this the definitive Fist of the North Star experience. It's an interesting thing you say this, because I obviously have never watched or even... I didn't even know this existed until like until you were like, this is the thing movie we're going to watch. Uh, so it's shocking that like that this is... I didn't even, like, I don't know, watching this, you don't expect there to be more than this. It just feels like very disposable. And then you're just... And then, yeah, like, At I'm least just, the like, movie. The movie is the movie. Yeah, the it feels like direct to DVD. Like it just feels like they just threw this. I guess this was before DVD, so it was just like we'll throw this on VHS, and then you can maybe find it in the back of the video store back in those days. So I mean, I, I don't want to jump ahead too much, but having watched an episode of the anime before this, this is definitely the the animation in this is significantly better than the show for one thing. And I'm going to say this: I don't think the animation's very good. <laughs> Well, there's some other weird things, too, because um, the version we watched, uh, clearly uh, there was some damage uh, because the, the animation style, there's, it's like, I don't think they were, I don't think they preserved the film stock for this movie very well, because at certain points it reverts to, like, different, the the image quality randomly gets much worse, you know what I mean? Within the same scene, too. Within the same scene, too. It just, like, there's literally, like, the coloring and... Yeah, uh, it's getting... It's, like, worse than, one, you know, 144p. Like, it just becomes, like, almost unwatchable <laughs> in, like, certain moments. Like, it's moments. Luckily, it's not, like, here's five minutes that are like this. It's just, like, you'll be watching it and then it'll, like, drop. But I don't know. This was... The whole thing has been... I mean, I watched this on YouTube. Uh, they keep uploading this movie uh the top comment on the video that i linked that i watched was uh someone always uploads the original every time it gets taken down (laughs) (laughs) and so and then it's like followed up by thank you for keeping this alive uh let's let's talk about uh the two kids there's there's two of the north star fans don't die (laughs) we re-upload you're you're already dead. Um, meanwhile, so these, these two kids, they're being chased by bikers. I had to look this up because in my notes I said, the girl unleashes a psychic scream, but it turns out she's not psychic. She just screams and it, that yeah. awakens Ken. So I was confused by that, that this was how I interpreted it watching the movie. Yeah, I was uh, confused too, watching that. She is not psychic. She just, uh, Ken is receptive to the screams of young girls. <laughs> Oh, Julia, because they're in love, right? That, no, not the whole thing. No, not not Julia. The uh, the little little girl, Lynn. Okay, it's because Julia does this whole thing about like I can feel Ken and like I know if he's alive or dead, and, and yeah. And then there's also the little girl, and you're just like Ken. Literally yells, and he just like comes running. Yeah, um, I did like that. Ken is just like uh, when we when we see him uh, awakened because Ken, who we who previously only seen as the loser. Uh, first appears as like a stone statue. So I thought the little girl had like awakened a golem and there was now going to be a golem in this movie. But nope, uh, Ken is just, uh, he was resting in rock. He was in a collapsed building. He literally walks like the Terminator through the collapsed building. Like it's like- So funny. It was so funny. That was fucking awesome. I'm like, yeah. It was fucking awesome. 
this, this movie loves like gratuitous walking sequences <laughs> like just like people like walking like with badass music and like stuff in the background i feel like maybe at least 12 of these minutes of this two almost two hour movie at least 10 minutes were just dedicated to people walking <laughs> That you see, that's what they couldn't do with the the anime series because you know they 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 kept having to move towards the plot, but they had a move. They had the time for a movie to have twelve minutes of just walking. <laughs> that's Ken's skill. He's he's really good at walking. He's like a statue. He's also sporting an awesome beard. I loved Ken's um, awaken mode beard, whatever you want to call it. He takes a crossbow bolt to the chest without flinching. And then, yeah, we we see Ken's iconic uh, head poppings. Because yeah, he just amazing. This is this is what I knew. Uh, when I had first heard about Fist of the North Star, I just knew people blew up a lot, and uh, this movie delivered. Yeah, it's like people get punched, and then two seconds later, their heads are gone, and then you're like, "Holy fuck!" I loved yeah. it. I don't know, Malcolm. What, what did you love the gore in this? Because the, the gore uh, yeah, the I, I will say I'm a big horror movie fan. Uh, I particularly like yeah, sort of like the over the top slasher movies. Um, and so yeah, when every time these like kills did happen, I was just like, all right, I'll, I I can get into this. And then there'd be like a whole sequence where I'm like, what the fuck's happening? And then I you know, and then another kill would happen, and I'm like, all right. This is oh, very yeah. like I felt like the whole time I was thinking about like watching it, I was just like, yeah, this is incredibly eighties. Like this is what I <laughs> picture the eighties. I know a lot of people go like neon and like you know, there's people are like you know, li- you know, Sydney Lopper or whatever. Um, I can't think of any musicians of the eighties right now. Ta- you know, Tonto uh, with Africa. I feel like that was an eighties song. Am I or is that nineties? I have no idea. Uh, but I was just like, I feel like that's always the vibe. But uh, like, oh no! It's like the let's get physical. Like, just like, yeah, let's a lot of like spandex. They, they should have played that song. They should have played that song during uh, Ken fucking the dudes up. That would yeah, be that, hilarious. That would be hilarious. Especially if it was like, because like the music in here, like when they do play music, like that one, like what you described to me before the uh, recording, Jack, as a uh, like music video sequence. Like, if they had just played, like, a Japanese version of Let's Get Physical, I think that would have been, like, just, like, god moment. <laughs> let's let's uh, do a live-action Fist of the North Star starring Chris Pratt as Ken and get James Gunn to make it, and it's just the Guardians of the Galaxy plot, but uh, <laughs> Fist of the North Star. So Ken is, Ken is nostalgic about all the music from his lost period of time, and he's, he's got the Walkman. And he's just playing songs while he pops people's heads off. <laughs> that's that's my pitch for a new Fist of the North. I guess and I guess you you like I've said earlier, you ha- Sean Penn has to be Jackal. Um, what other um, that just like, Malcolm McDowell will reprise his role <laughs> because he will do anything. Dwayne the Rock Johnson as Rao, obviously. Yes. No? Go for it. Who's who's playing Shin? Who's playing Shin? Who's uh, Timothy, Timothy Chalamet is shit. <laughs> oh man, yeah, yeah. I guess it has to be. Yeah, he he does have that like that brattiness there. I do want to talk about. Uh, I think it's one of the most iconic shots in the movie, or at least it's a shot I had just seen through the grapevine uh, prior to watching this. The scene where Ken is just walking straight ahead and punching dudes without even looking at them <laughs> is again fucking metal. This is what I like about Fist of the North Star. <laughs> yeah. They're they're just they're all like running at him and he's just punching them and they die. 
like that's the thing like th- there are some really i'll say this there's some fucking awesome uh shots in this film i think like they're well directed they look really cool i'm not going to defend the story because again they're they're, they're condensing 72 chapters into two hours yeah, I would say this story, this movie barely has a story. It's just, it's a guy getting from point A to point B. Does he even succeed in his goal of getting his girlfriend back? No, he no. doesn't even succeed at getting fucking Yuria. <laughs> yeah, it just sort of ends. She just, she's supposed to be executed, and then they're like, she disappeared. And then there's that sequence, like, during the credits, and he's just, like, in a forest. It's like, we've all only been, like, since the beginning of the movie, been in, like, these, like, weird like like desert desert cities that are just destroyed i assume we're in like i don't know fucking like las vegas or something like just like or phoenix like a dystopian phoenix which is walked uh, all the way up to canada yeah and then he's walking up and he's like yeah by like this tranquil like lake and there's trees and it's lush and it's green and yeah she she just like appears briefly and he just like I think was it he tries to hug her, uh, and then it's just the, the disappearing act, and it's just like, and that's it. You're like, are you serious? This is it. So she, there, there's the other, the the other big thing, of course, is you know, can he fights the? Uh, oh no, the script I had. I was trying to get a transcript. Okay, I this you had the script. <laughs> I had the script, but I was I found the line. Um, so, anyways, we have the moment where Ken is taking down like the massive thug, and uh, he beats him up, but the thug is still trying to get him. But then Ken, he says the iconic line, you are already dead, and the man's head explodes. Yeah, that was fire. I was fucking love that. That was awesome. You are already dead. You're already yeah, dead. Yeah, that's a, that's a line that like the writers of like Fast and the Furious wish they could have come up with. <laughs> oh, man. Vin, Vin Diesel as Ken. Actually, that would the most realistic uh, suggestion is that. <laughs> like, he just knows that. He's got to find something to do after this last, like, what is it? They're doing, like, two more Fast and the Furiouses, and then he's, what? I guess he's going to sing. He's going to sing in his mansion by himself in the saddest videos I've ever seen on the internet. <laughs> John Cena is a fan of this movie. I mean, he, yeah, I mean, he is, oh. an, you know, he is, he loves China, so just like the creator of this. You Basically, what you need is, like, a, uh, like a, like a kind of a beefed up guy who you're not convinced can act to be the lead <laughs> like that's kind of exactly. like that's what the role is you're just like i don't know if you can act like i feel like you can't have someone like jason statham come in because like he'll make it like hilarious or something schwarzenegger in the 80s could have done this yeah this was definitely like the fact that i don't know gary daniels or whoever the hell was the lead in this uh in the 90s like it feels like yeah if they wanted to make it a bigger budget yeah arnold schwarzenegger in like the Eighties, nineties would have easily been Ken, yeah, or Christopher Lambert, the uh, uh, Highlander. I mean, but real realistically, uh, Bruce Lee should have should have been that role, but just wasn't meant to be. Or Brandon Lee, Brandon Lee, R.I.P. Um, <laughs> anyways, soon. let's we got to move on because there's still a fair bit of plot uh, to talk about. Um, there's so plot. There's, well, <laughs> things that happen. Things that happen. I would, yeah, I would. I think calling a plot is generous. I feel like things, I feel like they're just like landmarks or like posts. Landmark. Here. Let's yeah. talk about Ray. Ray. Ray is a somewhat feminine-looking man um, who dresses up as a lady to trick other thugs into fighting him, uh, which is a very big brain plan. The characters in this film are smart. They're very they're they're super intelligent guys. <laughs> 
so he fucks up a dude with nunchucks, and he yeah he has this like kind of claw ability. He he dismembers dudes, so it makes for a cool visual. Yeah, he's like using his nails, and he's just like yeah, he's like he's like cat clawing everyone in half. <laughs> he rips a thug's arm off and tosses it back at him. Again. Yeah, that was pretty funny. Uh, so yeah, now now there's Jaggy. Oh, and this is what I wrote in my notes. Forty minutes in, and this movie just doesn't stop introducing characters. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, yeah. True words cannot be said in this moment. Ray wants to kill Ken, but he'll let Ken kill Jaggy first because yeah, Ray is fighting some other dudes, but he's pissed off at Ken because someone who is the master of Hokoto Shinken um, killed his like kidnapped his sister. Didn't kill her, kidnapped his sister. Um, there's again, there's like again, I think this movie is like honestly the animation is well directed because there's so many of these cool sequences I'm listing off. Because we get, like, a first-person flashback of Jaggy being defeated by Ken. Which, fuck, man. First-person sequence in animation? I don't, I'm not sure I've seen that before. I don't know about you. Yeah, I can't recall. Yeah. I don't know. That, that to me, like, struck me as, like, a well-directed sequence. I'm like, this is original. And, you know, because the whole thing is they don't want us to show uh, us Jaggy's scarred face. So we're seeing from Jaggy's perspective uh, what Ken did to him. I thought that was yeah. fucking cool. I liked it. Jaggy, Jaggy's a pathetic character, but I like Jaggy. I like, again, you know, we've got these characters who are so stoic. Rao, Rao doesn't have much of a personality. I think Ray has maybe 20% more of a personality than Ken. He's got just a bit more. Um, Ray also, like, teams up with the kids. So, like, I thought Ray teaming up with the kids was, like, kind of fun. Yeah, and well, because uh, you got to keep the kids around for some reason. Uh, <laughs> you got to keep them Because you got to have that, that overly sentimental moment at the very end where he's just, uh, where the kids are like, wow, a flower. A flower has finally grown. And then you cut to, like, like literally, like, two minutes later during the credits, you're like, there's literal forests. And they're talking about how, like, there's no flowers. <laughs> and, then, like, it turns out if you just went to a different part of the world, like, you could have, there'd be a lot of different, like, flower and, like, plant life. It's Yeah, it makes no sense how, like, <laughs> during the end of the movie, you see so much trees and green. And then, like, the whole point of the whole beginning of the movie was grow a flower. I think that I think that was the whole, I mean, we're jumping so much fucking ahead of this. But I think the point of that scene is... um just to give the movie some sense of finality, being like, oh, hey, you know, we saw green at the beginning, now we'll see green at the end. Uh, it's like poetry, it rhymes. <laughs> shitty, shitty, shitty poetry. That's like, yeah, high school level poetry. I, You know, so in this Jaggy flashback, he gets his head nearly blown up by Ken, but he hits himself with the right pressure points to prevent that, leaving him with just scars and a breathing problem. Uh, it, it was some cool animation where Jaggy, like, he knows he's about to die, so he just hits himself right in the right spots. Um, the power of acupuncture, everyone. <laughs> so Ken, meanwhile, back to the present, Ken, he punches a wall to reveal a massive man named Hart. And Hart says, my meat is like rubber. That's a, that's a line of dialogue. Hart, Hart you know, but, but RIP, Hart does not last long. He gets blown up like they always do. The Ken and Jaggy fight was fun. I don't know about you guys, but I thought, again, the fact that Jaggy is such a dishonorable opponent, that just made the fight more interesting. Yeah, he carried a gun, pussy. He a, yeah, he carries a gun. But hey, man, we don't see... Do we see a lot of guns in this movie? I don't know. I mean, Jaggy has... Mm, not really. I only think I saw, like, maybe two or three. And he's got, like, a sawn-off shotgun or something. And then at one point, he points it at Ken, but then Ken reveals that he hit 
uh, different pressure points. So it, it, Jag ends up pointing the gun at himself. So he has to <laughs> drop it. Yeah, the power, the power of pressure points. Why not? Oh no, I'm gonna shoot myself in the fucking head or whatever. I know he doesn't actually do it, but that's like the implication. I mean, that would have been a fun way to go. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. This is yeah. This is like the like. This is also a movie or a series that really glorifies. Yeah, you're just like acupuncture is gonna change the world, man. Like, I just feel like. They're just like if we just if you press the, the certain parts of the human body, you can get man to do anything. I should I, I go to acupuncture. I should tell my uh, my doctor, my acupuncture doctor about that. Uh, maybe, maybe he's even familiar with it. Yeah, he he is actually Japanese, so maybe he is familiar with it. So you never knows? know. Uh, never. I'll, I'll be the reason time. he joined to become an acupuncture <laughs> was, doctor. If, I mean, yeah, he's you know he's an older man. You know, this yeah. this came out in the eighties, so who knows? Yeah, he's just like, if I could be as charismatic as Ken, then then I will. Uh, then I must, I must dedicate my life to the art of acupuncture. Because you want to be like, you want to be able to like fucking rip a guy's arm off, but you also want to like, you know, not have a sore back afterwards. So anyways, it turns out Jaggy was responsible for this whole bullshit between Ken and Shin. Jaggy was the one who who was who manipulated Shin. Uh, and then Jaggy gets killed by Ken. But I don't know. I thought, uh, uh, I, I can't reveal who my speedwagon is quite yet, but I, I kind of already did. I feel anyway. like we already know where where that's headed. But I mean, it's it's pretty obvious. Although every time you've said Jaggy, for whatever reason, I keep thinking Shaggy, like the rapper. Jaggy. Um, anyways, after the because like, that's who I would actually like probably would want to play <laughs> like in the movies, just Shaggy, and it's just like as he's dying, goes like it wasn't me, and then he just gets fucking killed. Um, uh, Jay. So after the whole Jaggy episode, I'm not even gonna call it a storyline. It's an episode. They they just adapted an episode and tried to push it in here. Um, we get yet vignettes uh now we get to what actually comprises like the last 45 minutes or so of this movie which is the whole um emperor ken o thing and uh again ties back to the beginning of the thing um rao his goal was to become the end of century conqueror and now he is emperor ken o um i don't know why he decided to uh to to change his name but that's because the century ended it's, doesn't it doesn't oh. it translate to like King of Fists or something like that? Oh, I didn't even look into that. You said yeah. it was a year later, right? It's a year it's, later. So he can't be. So the century has ended. <laughs> so he's under a new name. We we get a fight where uh, Keno takes down this thug who can make his uh, skin steel, so that that gives us our bonus. That's my favorite part. That was really? my favorite part. That was my favorite part. The guy who like makes his like skin steel or whatever, and he's just like running through guys, and like, people are like jumping at him, and he like catches a guy in his mouth and chomps his head off, and like grabs a guy that jumps at him and just like crushes him in his hands, just like some super like giant shit. But uh, alas, he uh, it was not meant to be. He gets taken down by Ken O. And then here's the thing: um, Ken has a conf- Ken O has a confrontation with Shin. Which I was like, wait, I thought the whole Shin plot was going to be the end game. And it turns out that is not the case. Nah. Because, yeah, Ken is the one in this movie. Yeah, who you thought this was going to make sense. <laughs> yeah, awesome. so I think, I think, let's say this now. Um, going in, you know, you're watching the movie. You see Shin um, being, being his asshole self. 
um, you expect the movie to be all about, you know, Shin versus Ken. And it turns out, uh, in, a, in a way that would make Ryan Johnson proud, they throw a curveball. Our expectations are subverted. Because yeah. um, Kenshiro, he, he confronts Shin, and they have a fight, but it's not a very good one. Not even just, like, not well done, but in the sense that, you know, the, their heart's not in the right place. Because Rao already weakened him. So yeah, I was I was surprised by this development. I was expecting I was expecting a big flashy um, Ken versus Shin fight, and we don't get that. So I I give the movie a point for that. I will I will give it. I will, I will say I like at no point really like could guess where this was going, and I think that's not a bad thing. That's like like one also another thing that like kept happening when I was watching this, and I don't know about. If it was just like the dub version that I watched or whatnot, but I felt like everyone like had like heavy breathing scenes where there would be like stretches of time where you could just like hear everyone breathe, where it was just like Um, I did not watch the dub of this. I watched I watched the um the subtitle because I, I saw I looked it up and it's like and I even sent you the link, so you didn't check my link. Um I I watched I, the like, I, like I said, I watched this uh a dubbed version on YouTube because the, because Fist of the uh, North Star fans will never let that movie leave YouTube, no matter how many times it has to be re-uploaded. So, so I will say that um, I, I looked into this. The dub uh, is, is apparently not very accurate to the script. So, but thankfully, you haven't really cited lines, so we're, we're in the clear. But uh, no, oh yeah, like there was, like I said, there was a lot of just like you'd see like one of the like the villains. Um, because I don't know what else to describe them, just stand there and you just, again, would hear, like, just, like, <gasps> like just, like, as if they're, like, gasping for breath, like they need a CPAP machine. <laughs> like, they're just, like, I don't know. It was really weird. Like, I was, like, what is happening here? I'm shocked that Fist of the North Star doesn't have, like, a decent dub, given the series' reputation. But, yeah, there's well, not really... That's the thing. It's, like, there's a one of the actors... I could I distinctly like heard his voice and I was like, wait a minute, is that who I think it was? And I looked it up. It was him. Uh, they call uh, Kiba Dio uh, is the character's name, but they call him Fang in the dub. And then uh, it's James Avery, Philip uh, Banks from the Fresh Prince of Bel Air, the dad on Fresh Prince. No way. Oh, he also did. Uh, Shred- he voiced Shredder in the uh, the original Ninja Turtles cartoon. So I guess yeah, he it. was. Yeah. yeah, he did a lot of dub uh, dubs at one point, uh, or just before he got Fresh Prince, and then from there he was like doing mostly live action stuff. But yeah, it was like when you listen to it, I was just like, I know that voice. But also, that's the other thing. For whatever reason, there's like a bunch of characters who like their names are kind of changed. Like Kiba Dio is Fang. Golf is Thugmeister. Uh, Elder Yukoku is Wise Man. Kubaru is Headbanger. This is this is why I, I, I deeply regret not explicitly telling you to to watch the sublink. And then Yuria is uh, just named Julia. I mean, Yuria and Julia make sense at least. That's yeah. Like- and then there's like one of them is credited as you know Lynn is credited as Lynn, but Lynn is spelled L Y N N instead of L I N. Which I think is the stupidest change ever. Well, that's ninety-one. This is like a ninety-one dub from something called Streamline Pictures. Yeah, they they handle a lot of dubs in that era, um, so that that lines up. Anyways, um, so Ray, or wait, no. Um, so yeah, Ken he confronts Shin. It's not much of a fight, and Shin dies. 
here's the thing. Uh, spoiler alert for you folks who still want to read the manga. Um, this is very different in the manga and anime. Um, Shin and Ken actually do have a proper comfort proper confrontation they do fight um mm-hmm. rao has nothing to do with it and then yeah shin uh tosses himself off a bu- he tosses himself off a building because uh he's just like well julia's are uh, Yur- <laughs> yuria will never love me uh so he falls to his death and commits suicide more climantic than say rao doing the fighting and then shin and then kinshiro barely gets to fight shin <laughs> Because this movie, because it's trying to be a movie, it has to rearrange things to make, they're like, okay, the end game villain of this movie is Rao, so we have to boost up Rao's bonafides, basically. Yeah, there's a little subplot with Ray and the kids. I don't have much to say about that. But yeah, he learns from Shin that Rao has Yuria. Uh, although Ray, Ray does fight a horned lieutenant of Rao's who hides whips in his horned helmet. I thought that was cool. That was super uh, cool. Do, do you have any thoughts on the horned whip? <laughs> Orange whip guy, Malcolm. I mean, yeah, it was cool. I think it's like cool. yeah, like a like a lot of the character designs are pretty neat in this. Yeah. They don't make a lot of sense, but you know, it's over the top action. At so. a certain point I just stopped being like, okay, there's no, there's no explanation. Like they're just doing a looks cool. Like that's sort of and I, you know what? That's not a bad thing. Sometimes you just need that. And this is one of those things where it's like, we're not gonna explain it. We just you know, you could tell that like the art the artist of this was just like, I just wanted to draw cool shit. And then that's what he did. And especially 80s cool. Yeah, and especially in this like alternate retelling. So they already have a definitive retelling in the form of the anime series. So they they really are just like, this is a movie, just make it as big as possible. You've got the budget. You can make it more violent. Um, because that's the thing. So the anime did have blood, but it didn't have the head poppings. Um, when heads were popping, it would cut to like uh, white, so they're you know their their heads would splooge. Oh, their heads would splooge. It was just it's just white that comes out. Yeah, I noticed uh, certain points while their heads would popping, like the quality would get like all weird. And then it would cut to to the and white. Then it, and then it would it wouldn't cut to white. It would almost like, kind of show it a little bit, and it would all, like and then their heads would you would kind of see it like faded. So I think and, that's because the version we're watching, um, the negatives were damaged when they were uh, transferring this or whatever. So we're we're watching like two different cuts, kind of. Uh, and this movie even has an alternate ending at the, the end of it, which is which is just fucking uh, a bonkers choice the the way they handle it in this movie. Uh, so yeah, we have Ray. He fights um, Rao, and then we get to my favorite part of the movie. It's my favorite part of the fight: um, the music video fight scene, where it's just a full on um, ja- Japanese eighties song playing. While uh, while Ray tries to defeat Rao and Ken walks fucking slowly, Ken again, yeah, bro, he's like walking the whole time, <laughs> and then what's her name, little ass Lynn, comes over and she's like Ken, and then he <laughs> and then he runs, which looks like to be like miles. It looks like to be miles, and then he runs like literally three seconds, and he's at the battle, and it's like okay, like he has super speed. Yeah, you've just taken a sweet old time. It was, yeah, it's really weird. Um, but I will say that in the dubbed version that I watched of this movie, that this song is still in Japanese. They didn't try to do like some sort of like Americanized version of the song. They they probably um, didn't have the budget to even do that. They would no. probably ruin the song too. Yeah, it would have oh. ruined it. I don't think it would have been as good and as epic. But yeah, no, that's I did notice that too. I was just like, are you kidding me? Like. 
But also, I mean, this is Ken loves walking. That's it. Like, if honestly, I know he has the power of a Hakudo or was it Hokuto Shinken, but really his power is uh, walking, glacially walking, strutting. He was more, I feel like he was a strutting man. He was strutting. He was strutting yeah. like he was at a fashion show. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> this fucking movie. Um, so, yeah, Ken and, you know, Ray, of course, dies because, you know, the the best friend or quote, quote unquote best friend because um, this is a condensed version of the story. So we've known Ray for 20 This movie does cut out key characters, including a man named Toki who is this kind of older dude with white hair and a handlebar mustache. He's present during this whole sequence in the anime. Uh, but Toki got cut out, which is uh, unfortunate, especially considering Toki lives, as opposed to... Um, as who opposed you, who's to, Toki? Who are you talking about? Toki is not present in this adaptation. They cut out Toki and some other characters. Good. Like, like you said but earlier, Toki's they needed to cut more. <laughs> I liked his design, though. I like I the his... idea of, like, Toki lives, but just not, like, and the only reason he lives is because he's not in this. Uh, but I like his design. I was like, shit, if you look up, look, Google Toki Fist of the North Star, I like his character design. Cool. Um, but yeah, um, Ray goes down because, of course, this has to be between Ken and Rao. This fight, again, this fight is nothing like it was in the anime. In the anime, it's much more grounded. It's much shorter. And instead, this is, like, full-on Dragon Ball Z. The characters are powering up. Uh, buildings are being destroyed because they're so strong. Again, here's the thing. Dragon Ball Z, which, of course, we, we know Dragon Ball Z for, for the show, um, with all the, the laser fighting and the characters charging and stuff. Dragon Ball Z will not debut for another three years. So, just as North Star got, has Dragon Ball Z beat when it comes to the, uh, the charging scenes. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously they're contemporaries, so I'm sure, uh, <laughs> sure Sir Toriyama was fine with it. I'm uh, going to say, did this inspire Dragon Ball Z? I mean, Dragon Ball Z is more inspired by the same things that inspired Fist of the North Star, which is Chinese martial arts. So, okay. you know, they're both, they were both, but, you know, Fist of the North Star, the setting was uh, Mad Max post-apocalypse and Dragon Ball is kind of, you know, more, uh, I wouldn't say modern day China, but, you know, I mean, anachronistic or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, it's supposed to be like, yeah, some sort of like, there hasn't been this nuclear holocaust. It's a mishmash of like ancient, of like, you know, ancient China and also like uh, modern day stuff. So, but we're not talking Dragon Ball Z too much here. But yeah, that the fight scene is well done. I liked it a lot and also subverted my expectations yet again because Ken does not win. <laughs> Ken fucking loses, man. Yeah, he does lose. Yeah, he's a fu- yeah, he's a fucking loser. Ken is a loser. Yeah. Ken, Ken's um, here to get his ass fucking kicked. <laughs> so in the anime and the manga, it is a standstill. So for some reason, they made the choice uh, in this film, which does not have a sequel by the same team or anything. They chose to have Ken lose. Um, I there's the, no explanation for that. Um, he gets saved by Lin, and then Rao just walks away. Rao is just like, I'm good, guys. Yeah, he gets his ass kicked at the beginning of the movie, at the end of the movie, and he, he loses the girl and then doesn't get her back. <laughs> and he's the hero. Like, he's supposed to be the guy oh you're God. supposed to root for. I would love Marvel like, to do a movie like this. Oh, man. Yeah, that's honestly, that's what they should do. Like, they just need, yeah, someone just to lose all the time. Someone just and um, I really should have um, wrote down who says this line. 
I just have the line. Uh, there's the line, nothing changed in the end. <laughs> well, I forget who says it. But that's was that the Chester level. Bennington of uh, Lincoln Park where he said, in the end, <laughs> it never re- or nothing really matters? I think it's, I'm going to look this up. I'm just going to watch the fucking scene. That's fucking, because that really describes the movie. Nothing changed in the end. It's as if it it never needed to exist. (laughs) This whole movie was pointless, guys. You wasted two. Also, like, it's not like it was like a big box office draw. Like, I was like seeing it. It was like its budget was 700 million yen. And then it made 1.8 billion yen. So I feel like that wasn't like the win that they thought was going to be the case back in 1986 when this movie came out i don't know i'm not it's gonna take too long for me to scroll but either way nothing changed in the end whoever says that line well i guess the only thing that changes that uh uh julia or uh, from the dub i watched uh you know he loses her so at least you know so he he is the biggest loser <laughs> he's no he sees julia does he see julia at the very end i'm just looking at the Maybe that was now. a ghost that was like an apparition oh, oh. Okay, then. Yeah, that's why I would talk about that earlier, where he was just like, he tries to like hug her, and then she like just disappears, turns into a dust. Because she disappears because she's supposed to be executed. So in the version I watched, there is a post credit scene where it's the same fight. Uh, it's the last three minutes of the fight, but in this case, uh, Ken is still standing. So they're wow. like. So there's alternate endings? Oh my God. There is an alternate ending, and it's just, it's different animation style. Rao says this marks the beginning of our war. Such a fu- it's such a weird choice to have Ken lose the fight because it doesn't happen in the. F- I can understand them changing the ending to Ken winning if he lost in the manga to create a sense of finality, but it's not the case. It's the opposite. It's a very the fucking weird, the weird yeah. fucking decision. Um, I liked it in the sense that it surprised me, but I'm just like this movie, guys. We're we're done talking about it. We're done. I, are we? Uh, <laughs> no, okay. I'm, I'm, no, I'm just I'm trying to find. So I'm I uh, found a review of from the New York Times in 1991 because oh. that's when the yeah. dub came out, and it, they called it a uh, an orgy of martial arts in a post nuclear world. <laughs> it carelessly, that's, that's, or it is carelessly, yeah. Uh, what is it? It is uh, carelessly translated and poorly dubbed English adaptation. The characters express themselves in diction so stiff that they seem ludicrously prissy. <laughs> but no, don't talk, don't talk about the dub because dear listener is going to watch the sub version. So let's let's. let's I mean, talk I watched the dub version. The sub version's great. The sub version's great. I so I just wanted to say point that out as if almost in some ways you could say a deterrent for. Like you know, for this, um, IMDb, IMDb has this movie at seven point two, which for IMDb is actually pretty good. Yeah, I mean, again, I think a lot of people are basing it on the sub version, <laughs> not the dubbed version. That's that's the one. The dub is really bad. Right? Like, like it, like it is this thing where I'm actually having more fun talking about it with you two than I did watching it because, like, it's the this dub is like wild. It's just wild in terms of like I feel like there's like much better moments. Like the lines of dialogue seem like they're better in your version than what was actually being spoken. I mean, that's why I gave you the dub link and sub link, and then you didn't watch it. So now I'm mad. yeah. I was having uh, <laughs> in full disclosure, I was having internet issues, and then uh, and then I was like, I found it on YouTube, and I was like, I'll just watch it this way on my phone. 
in my bathroom. Uh, <laughs> uh, and then uh, I didn't realize there was a difference. I didn't realize it was a sub version that you wanted me to watch. <laughs> but I think it's actually, it works because I feel like we have a better uh, conversation. You get to, you two get to talk about uh, this superior uh, uh, subtitled version. And I get to talk about this inferior dub. I mean, let's face it, I think me and Alex can agree the story is not significantly better when it's subbed. It's still very random and... Uh, it's not- very fucking random. I was so it's, confused mostly not- through the movie. Yeah, like, there's, like, parts of this, like, just, like, we haven't even touched on, like, there's that weird parade sequence where, like, all the, where, like, Lynn is, like, crawling and, like, seeing all the people, like... Reminds me that one marching. scene from Aladdin. Reminds me of that one scene from Aladdin where oh. Aladdin's watching all the... All the princes walk through in the courtyard, and he's like, "I want to be like them." Yeah, that's kind of how I felt. And then, like the horse, like looks at Lynn, and there's just like as if the I feel like as if the horse was the horse is evil, <laughs> and I was like, what "Horse, like when did this horse show up?" And like, and it was just like, "Oh, I know this Lynn's bad news," and like the per the soldier who's riding it is just like, "Get looks up!" At her like, and was like, "Get the fuck out of here." Exactly. It was guys, the weirdest sequence. There's a, there's, I, I'm actually going to read this entire review because it's a time capsule. It's from April 14th, 1999 on IMDb. I didn't know that IMDb existed in 1999. So this is a fucking internet relic. Wow. This is, this is what Soul Rock 3 said. I love violence on screen. This movie satisfied that to the extreme. This is the most violent movie possibly ever released. A lot of people hate this film because it was a blood fest with no point. But you have to understand the point of this movie is to make fun of the whole thing. Now, I'm also a big fan of comedy, and this movie satisfied the comedy with the violence. It's genius because so few people see this. Add to that an intricate storyline that follows through and makes sense. I'm going to fucking disagree with you, buddy. (laughs) The movie is all about going from big, powerful guys and gruesome death scenes to more and more and more gruesome death scenes and more powerful guys. The writing is excellent and funny. Like I said about the comedy, the death scenes are made to make you laugh. The writing and speech are designed almost so that you can predict what's going to happen before it does. And the speech becomes like a punchline. Example, a fight to the death then, then you're already dead and hey, these belong to you. You have to You have to watch this movie to know what I mean, of course. Haha. <laughs> the the move the music is good and the English ju- <laughs> Fuck you. The English dubbing is awesome. <laughs> yes! Yes! <laughs> the, oh, man. The voices are perfect. The drawing style is great, too. The huge muscles, small heads approach. Trust me, it is very realistic. It's hilarious yet cool-looking. Rented a blockbuster video under the animation section or action slash kung fu. One gripe, the ending, the like the last two minutes sucks. Corny love slash regrowth stereotype there. Uh, I have to add the funniest moment in any movie ever in the world is in this movie it is the scene where Shin kills his own trusted commander. Please watch this movie so you can agree with me. The punchline effect of the writing and animation is so subtle, so superb. I was laughing for hours. Slight exaggeration, slight. The only thing wrong with this movie is that it's under infinity hours long. This is the best review I've ever read. <laughs> you need to get him on the podcast. Yeah. Solrak 3, I'm going to look him up. Does he Has he made any more... Uh, uh, it doesn't have too many reviews. Yeah, I'm looking at like I'm looking at like these like yeah two thousand like one was just from August of two thousand from Reaper Man. It's just like what uh, This is the most brainless anime I've seen this side of Euro Tsukudoji Legend of the Overfeed. Skulls and brain fly as Kinshiro thwacks his way through a Mad Max esque world, looking for his beloved wife Bird. 
considering 90% of the male populace all wish they could do Kung Fu, it's hard to see how they could not like this film. Stupidly proportioned bad guys as Ken kicks, punches, and jabs them into oblivion. It's a little disturbing, to be honest, and perhaps pessimistic of human, human nature, but I don't care. Uh, Ken makes the finest combat noise in the world. Uh, that's in the thing. Uh, and everyone sports amusingly gruff thug voices. The artwork is rough around the edges, but at least it's not as bad as the TV series. A bit of a Japanese institution. I'm led to believe Fist of the North Star is top drawer stuff. It can easily sit next to all those copies of Enter the Dragon and Monkey. I feel like, yeah. The other one would just one just was started was like this is the most brainless anime that I've ever seen and I love it. I think that describes it. If you just want to watch some fucking violence for two hours, uh, this movie's fun. And if you actually want to see what a coherent version of the story is, read the manga. Um, there's also five more modern films that are kind of various sequences. I mean, honestly, if I wanted to give you a better impression, I probably should have picked the one that depicts. Sorry, there's another review, and it, it's just the only. There's no like comments on it the whole thing is just the title says it is from poe 426 a fistful of fun <laughs> five stars amen all right i think are we ready to talk our speed wagons uh yeah speed wagon 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 allow me to elucidate ya the name is Robert E.O. Speedwagon. Let's do it. All right. For those just joining in, our Speedwagon is our favorite uh, minor character in the uh, movie. All right. I'm going to go first. Uh, my Speedwagon is very obvious. I'm not subtle. Just like this movie, it's Jaggy by far. Jaggy <laughs> is fucking awesome. No, I think like Jaggy, I like the fact that he's so pathetic. I found him almost sy- sympathetic in that regard. You know, he does murder people, but, you know, so does Ken. Ken kills way more people. And yeah, like, you know, his his, his little storyline, his vignette, fun, his fighting style, the fact that he's a cheater is kind of, you know, interesting. So I found, yeah, I found the whole Jaggy sequence uh, to be entertaining. And I'm definitely going to have to at least watch the Chris Penn parts where he plays Jaggy. He, it looks like on, on Google, it looks like he is wearing some sort of mask. It's incomplete. It's like leather straps on his head. My favorite character was... um. I'd either have to say Bat, like the little kid who was driving the dune buggy, because he's just like, he was like the little shit. He just like kept the little girl around him all the time. And also just like, uh, I feel like he's got some like tricks up his sleeve that like they didn't show in the movie. But like, I feel like he's like, he's like one of those kids who like worked around technology and he can like put gadgets together. He just looks like that kid. Well, so are they not brother and sister? Was that, I wasn't clear on that. If was I wasn't clear on that favorite. either. They they are not because uh, spoiler alert in the um, series later on they fall in love, so that would be bad. I assume they were brother and sister, but I guess like in here, like again, you only become uh, siblings uh, with your bond in the ring uh, from fighting. It's interesting uh, for me. I mean, right now, Jack, you introduced a new character that I didn't realize could potentially be a speed wagon, which was Soul Rack Three. And his amazing review. <laughs> uh, I feel like, you know, I could go that down that route, uh, but I won't. I won't. I'll, uh, because there are a lot of cool characters in this. Like, this is, like, this is, 
this is not one of those like things uh shows or movies we've covered where we're just like god is there even a, a character like is there even someone we can like try to pull um i'm actually with alex i really like bat i thought Bat was great um i don't know there's just something about like a, yeah like you said a kid driving this like doom buggy trying to figure out like you know how to plant a flower or whatever um that was kind of cool and he seemed to hold his own and be a little sarcastic so yeah i feel like it was him i feel like there are there were some others like i don't know like you know i, I gotta give uh james avery some credit uh for showing up his voice like when i did hear his voice i was like what you know uh you know you know mr banks you know daddy banks as they say on twitter um but you know from fresh prince but i don't know i didn't feel like his character was actually that great it was more that they picked a really good voice actor for him um so in the dub he was known as fang in the subtitles that's kiba dio so yeah i'm gonna go with uh bat as well you just look like the kid that could like take a screw and a piece of wood and uh, make it a gun Oh yeah, he see he's like the MacGyver of this world. Yeah, I I think uh, just I think, for another '80s reference for you know everyone who loves the '80s. <laughs> I, th- yeah. I think if y'all if you if you were to ever read the manga, watch the uh, watch the anime, the series, you'd be happy with the developments they give Bat. I'll say that from what I've read. Awesome. Yeah, Bat Bat gets some uh, good stuff. Yeah, I think we're ready. Final thoughts on Fist of the North Star, nineteen eighty six. I guess I'll I'll go first. Um, Yeah, um, I enjoyed this conversation more than I enjoyed (laughs) watching the film personally. I'm going to say with peace and love, peace and love, peace and love, uh, as Ringo Starr would say, that, uh, yeah, I did not, this movie did not give me peace and I did not love it. So uh, I feel like, I don't know, it was... You got some action sequences. It's super long, super confusing, and Ken fucking sucks. I'm going to just say that right off the bat. He's not a guy who I would have framed this whole movie around, but here we are. Um, you know, I think if you like 80s violence and you're just like looking for something like a, like a nostalgic or like throwback to this era, this is like a pretty good one. Like you're not going to see anything where you're just like, holy fuck, that is dated. Uh, but also for me, I was just like, it's a little long. It kind of gets boring at certain parts. You know, you, you kind of got to slog through uh, to get to like the good stuff, even though I think Jack disagrees with me on the pace. <laughs> Again, this is not the, these, this is not the official telling of this is the North star. This is a taste. This is, you know, it's an appetizer. If you enjoy this, if you have fun with it, then you can be like, okay, I'll read the manga and see what the, what the real story is. Yeah. That's what I would say. I'm kind of surprised that Fist of the North Star hasn't had like a modern reimagining. I feel like again, this is like a classic Shonen Jump series. You know, we're in the world of reboots. It would be it would be great live action yeah. redone with a really big budget. I don't even need a live action. I just want to see a new anime that just readopts the manga and you know paces it better in terms of the modern pacing we're used to. You know, uh, modern animation. I'm just down to to see a retelling of this series. Yeah, I just I kind of would be. I'm almost a little surprised John Cena isn't trying to like bring this back on some level. Um, although, I mean, yeah, I could I could see them doing like a live action movie. Well, that too. I mean, John Cena wouldn't. I could see John Cena being the producer. Like it just. Uh, but you can't, you know, with you know, since uh, Ghost in the Shell with Scarlett Johansson, 
there's no need to whitewash it. I was just more making the comment that like you could, if someone really wanted to, like I feel like Netflix, I could see Netflix trying to like, if Cowboy Bebop, their show, we're recording this before that show comes out and that shows hits and like the One Piece show hits. I could see them looking for other stuff. And if this is as popular as you say it is, Jack, then um, I could see this being like on their the horizon. Yeah, I feel like Netflix will definitely pick them up and turn it into their own series. You know, I don't know. Maybe, maybe there's just not a lot of interest. Uh, uh, to be in- fair, I never. I mean, obviously, I'm the guy on this podcast <laughs> that doesn't know or anything about anime. But like, I was kind of surprised that even for you know something that dates back to the '80s, that like no one, I've never even heard this in conversation with like my anime loving friends. Like this, this whole series seems to have just been forgotten. I think, I think because there's a lot of similarities to Dragon Ball here. I feel like a lot of people just gravitated towards that and this sort of got pushed to the side. Now, also, to be fair, a lot of people are nostalgic for Dragon Ball because they watched it as kids, and this is not a movie or show that kids probably should or would be allowed to watch. They shouldn't watch it, but again, it it appeared in the magazine made for 8- to 13-year-old children. (laughs) Yeah, they're definitely looking for those edgelord 13-year-olds. Yeah, no, this uh, the the most recent video game came out in 2018, so, you know, it still, you know, got some relevance. And it was made by the guys who do the Yakuza video games, so, you know, they gave it a good budget. It's a good game. So, play Fist of the North Star Lost Paradise. It's pretty fun. Um, Yeah, my, my thoughts on Fist of the North Star, it's a fun movie. Uh, I en- I enjoyed it for what it was. Obviously, I I knew what it was going in compared to you guys. So, I w- I got some fights, I got some violence, I got a lot of wacky characters blowing each other up, and to me that that was enough. All right, uh, I I guess that's it. Uh, it's time for plugs. Um, they can find me on Instagram. They can find me on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Music at Alex eighty nine. Only real Jack M on Twitter and Jack is Jack on Instagram. Our handles are in the episode description as well, too. So, yeah. So look down if you're looking for that. Uh, yeah, you can find me at Malcolm R J McLeod on uh, Instagram. Technically, also on Twitter. Um, not active at Twitter at all. Um, more of a lurker. <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> I don't use Twitter at all. But uh, yeah. You can find uh, find me there. Uh, if you uh, want to follow the podcast on our social medias, if you just like found us on like Spotify or Apple or you know Stitcher or whatever you know podcast streaming service you use, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, we're on Instagram and Twitter at Is This Anime Pod. Uh, if you listen to us to, like on Apple or something and would love to give us a review, we would love to get more reviews. Uh, reviews really help us, you know, kind of gauge some of the content we've taken reviews in the past. And, you know, use that to inspire uh, episodes and, like, stuff we will watch. So, yeah, we'd love to see some more reviews. Leave us five stars. It helps a small podcast like us out immensely. You know, it's all about word of mouth. And, you know, it's been great so far. So let's uh, keep it up. Uh, any uh, final thoughts before we uh, close this episode out? I got none. I, this is this is enough. This is North Star talk. I'm done. Perfect. I, I was happy to be here. thank you yeah uh as always uh yeah thank you so much and remember is this anime believes in chris penn supremacy bye (laughs) later power buttons